Hello and welcome back again to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Every fortnight we bring you a mixture of features and discussions exploring every aspect of gardening. Garden design, growing your own fruit and vegetables, plant care, pest control and container ideas. Plus expert seasonal advice on what you should be doing in your garden right now. I'm Jenny Bowden, one of the RHS's team of horticultural advisors, based here at RHS Garden, Wisley in Surrey. Coming up in this May edition, topical seasonal advice about key jobs you can be doing in your garden this month, choosing star-performing plants for your garden in May. We hear our expert selection of winning varieties, including a fabulous ornamental plant which is low-maintenance, disease-resistant and perfect for containers, the New Guinean Patiums. And, as always, we bring you the latest news on RHS garden events across the UK. Last week was, of course, the world-renowned RHS Chelsea Flower Show in London. Despite the less-than-perfect spring weather, the show was, as always, a riot of colour and packed with stunning show gardens and nursery stands. The show is an amazing place for gardeners of all levels of experience to go and get inspiration, whether you're a total gardening novice or a professional designer. The podcast team went behind the scenes at the show to speak to some of the designers about the gardens they've built this year and the creative planting combinations they've used. I'm Adam Frost and I've designed the garden for home base this year and it's pouring with rain. My garden um, is all inspired by the Bauhaus movement, so early um, 20th century German sort of college in a sense. And it was what was cool about it in a way was it was about community, it was about bringing a group of people together. Um, and that's what I've tried to do here, so I've sort of based it on a community garden. Um, but it's a reaction to the urban environment, so, you know, it's got that sort of, um, you know, it's all about greening, greening grey spaces really. That's what it's about. What's great about, in a sense, this garden is it, is it plays in a way that is very, very harsh in its, in its landscape. So it's concrete, it's corten steel, and it's cedar. That's the materials. But they sound very harsh. But actually, look at the strong colours in the corten steel. In the concrete, it's got a real sort of bluey-grey in there. And the cedar's got that lovely, lovely richness. And slightly. So actually, that's what I've reacted to. So in a way, I've used right from a strong crimson right through to sort of a, a limey yellow, and then there's quite a lot of orange in between. Yeah, and, they're, and they're simple plants that people would recognise. There's, there's irises in there, there's geums in there. It's just a little, like a, um, like a little geranium flower, I suppose, really. It's probably an easy way to describe it. Um, but on top of that, I have got geraniums. I've got some verbascums, foxgloves. Um, they're, they're all simple, simple plants. And the whole idea is it's, it's that combination of, of simplicity that people... I want them to come here actually and be comfortable with what I've put in, not come here and go, oh my God, I couldn't do that. Um, and they're simple plants that work in simple conditions, you know, and I'm just playing with those colours. And don't overcomplicate the range, you know. So what you'll find that I've done is I've repeated, you know, and, there, and there's something really, um, for us, that works in a repeated pattern. There's definitely something in our psyche somewhere. You'll never look at the way you move your house. If, you know, we do a different carpet in every room, it starts to feel a little bit strange. You put one carpet that moves through, you, know, you get a nice feel. You know, if you don't, if you use seven surfaces, it all feels a little bit busy. You can use two or you can use one. Same thing with plants, you know. You either go riotous and go wild, you know, as if it's a wild meadow and just break every single rule going and then that works. Or, you know, use that repeated pattern and, and as you move through your garden, just repeat plants because as you move through, there's something I think that just works in our brains. 
Um, so yeah, hopefully in the garden they'll look and what happens is it bounces you through the garden. You know, I've used taxus right throughout my garden in a pattern, so they're taxus domes, you know, U-domes that bounce right throughout the garden. And that leads you from border to border to border. And what I've done is I've started really strongly with some, you know, a, a lot of a particular plant at the top, but as it comes down the garden, it thins a bit. So there's still an essence of that at the beginning of the garden, but it's stronger when you're into the garden and you flip that the other way around. So that's how I, as if I suppose things were, you know, naturally self-seeding. So there was a clump and it just went, oof, you know. I described it the other day as fairy dust. You know, someone just goes, and it all happens. Um, so I think that, that repeated pattern is a great idea for people. My name's Matthew Wilson and we are at Chelsea Flower Show 2015 in the build. Uh, well, the build is uh, one of the main show gardens on Main Avenue at Chelsea Flower Show. And uh, what you can hear in the background is feverish hammering of uh, our Yorkshire drystone wallers, Richard and Lurian Clegg. Uh, and the garden is essentially a low water use garden. So it features plants that are from arid environments, uh, many of which will actually be familiar to gardeners. And people will look at them and probably think, well, really, is that a sort of dry garden special plant um, it's really that basic adage of the right plant for the right place and that's what I'm trying to demonstrate with this garden with the planting plan I have basically rehashed my greatest hits of the last 20 years it's like a compilation album of planting schemes um, and uh, all the things that I've, I've planted in various gardens over the years RHS gardens gardens I've designed privately and indeed my own gardens that I know work I have recycled into this garden. So there's things like, there's a lovely combination of Euphorbia Fens Ruby, which has got a sort of reddish leaf and acid yellow flowers, low growing, spreading plant. I planted that with um, Salvia Caradonna. I had exactly that combination in my garden in South East London. Uh, uh, what else? Rosa Glauca, which is the most glorious rose. It has pewter grey leaves with a sort of dusky pink underside and a small, relatively inconspicuous flower, but this wonderful arching form. Um, and I've used those as a sort of centrepiece with a little, uh, with a beautiful verbascum called Cotswold uh, Queen. Um, again, it just picking up on the colours. The, the sort of dusky pink of the Cotswold Queen verbascum picks up on the dusty pink of the of the underside of the Rosa rugosa. So it's a greatest hits compilation. I'm Chris Beardshaw, and this is the Morgan Stanley Healthy Cities Garden at Chelsea Flower Show 2015. The principle of the garden is based on Morgan Stanley's Healthy City initiative. And in this particular case, it's the first time the Healthy Cities initiative has been rolled out in the UK. And in this particular example, uh, Morgan Stanley partnered with um, Poplar, an area of East London, uh, just on the, the sort of meander of the, the River Thames north of um, the Canary Wharf area. And uh, Poplar already had a very dynamic and very enthusiastic gardening group and gardening club who were frustrated by the lack of green space, quality designed green space in their neighbourhood. And um, so as a consequence, we started to, to work with them and to talk to them about the provision that they would require. The planting is, is really very diverse and, and you know whenever you're planting a garden there are always three or four specimens that just bounce out and they, they have a very gregarious nature. You can pretty much combine them with anything and they, they'd smile at you, you know, they'd sort of really want to be there, they're pleasing plants. 
And in this particular garden, well, one of the, the most effective plants, I think, is uh, a lupin. It's lupin masterpiece. It's a very bold, quite a quite squat rocket of flowers that starts off in a sort of claret, and then as it grows through and the flower starts to age, it becomes slightly more red, and it, then it has a, an orange hint to the back of the uh, of the, the bloom itself. I think also when you combine that with uh, plants like Salvia caradonna, uh, it has a very quink ink blue stem and and then uh, very deep blue blooms, but really quite fine creates a very uh, subtle haze in the garden. And GM Princess Julianne, which uh, is, is, is almost a sort of tangerine orange, potentially a very clashing colour, but delightful to use in a situation where your eye dances between clumps of them and you're, it leads your eye deep into the garden and actually picks out very well the court and steel tiles at the back of the garden on the wall there. And I, I think my absolute favourite, and certainly one that's been stopping people in their tracks, um, is uh, the iris on the corner of the garden. Um, it's called Mer de Sioux and uh, it's just a delight. I mean, it's unusual for uh, one of the bearded iris in that it's the same colour all the way through, all the petals and right into the heart of the flower, it's all the same colour. A really beautiful, um, very confident kind of azure blue. It's, a, it's the colour of, a, uh, you know, the summer sky that you dream of as a child. It's that sort of intensity. Award-winning garden designers at this year's RHS Chelsea Flower Show. You can find photos and more reports from this year's show on the RHS website. Here you can also find details and buy tickets for other RHS flower shows around the UK later this year. rhs.org.uk forward slash shows. I'm Jenny Bowden and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. As well as inspiration... RHS flower shows offer fantastic opportunities to speak to RHS advisors and to specialist nurseries and growers to get information about your plants and about seasonal tasks to do in your garden. My name is Steve Hickman and uh, me and my wife Elaine run Hoyland Plant Centre specialising in agapanthus. We're national collection holders and we're fanatics on the cultivation and propagation of agapanthus. Now May time uh, for agapanthus, uh, the deciduous ones which die back in autumn will now be showing good leaf. Uh, so this is the time of year to start uh, trimming any older leaves off, which you forgot to do in spring, uh, making sure that you're feeding the high potash feed every two to three weeks, which is really important at this time because the flower buds should just be starting to appear in the uh, crown of the uh, rhizome. And obviously with the flowers being the size of they are on a lot of them, they need a lot of feed to get the energy to uh, produce those flower spikes. So make sure you're feeding correctly. Tidy any of the leaves up and uh, just generally have a good look at them. Uh, any winter mulch which is hanging around down the base of the plants, you can smooth out and uh, just generally check the plants. The feed uh, agapanthus-like must be high potash. These days we don't recommend the tomato foods. Uh, at the flower shows we have our own special feed that's manufactured just for us and that is really high potash of 32%. Uh, we're not saying that you cannot use your wood ash and your comfries 
and your seaweeds, but if you use the wood ash, it depends what wood you've burnt as to the concentration of potash. Again, with the seaweeds, it depends what blend they've used to get the concentration. And again, with the variety of comfrey, it can vary. Uh, with the feed that we recommend, it's manufactured and it's always the same formula. So if people come to the shows with a problem and they're using our feed to begin with, we know it's not the feed problem, it's something different. Hello, this is Rosie Hardy, Hardy Scottish Garden Plants. Once you get to this time of the year, things are really sprouting and coming through and people forget with herbaceous perennials that in actual fact to keep them going well, then you do need to do a bit of deadheading. Some plants like to have the deadheads just taken off the top, others such as GM Totally Tangerine, you need to wait until the whole flower stem has flowered and take it right back down into the centre. Deadheading, just use a pair of uh, secateurs or snips, make sure they're sharp because there's nothing worse than leaving a tear there and you damaging the plants. And just make sure that you're vigilant and take off any deadheads when you see them. Hi, I'm Claire from Trewidden Nursery um, in Cornwall. Tip for me is um, now start getting your succulent plants out. Uh, the weather's warmed up, they can come out of the glass house or, or inside wherever you've got them. You can start potting them up using a good multi-purpose compost with 20% uh, grit. This means that if it does get wet, they've got really good drainage. Um, succulents such as aeoniums pop outside in as much sun as you can give them. If it does start to go cold, though, just remember to give them a little protection, just in case. But may potting them up and, and putting them outside into the sun in a shelter position. The aeoniums love the sun. They're from the Canary Islands. And um, the green ones, there's lots of green aeoniums, but there's one called cunatum. That's a really nice, short, shrubby aeonium. That is quite a bit hardier than the dark ones. Takes a lot more wind. So if you're in exposed positions, that will be a really good one to put in the teeth of the wind, as we call it. If you're going to protect your aeoniums, the best thing to do is to wrap them in horticultural fleece. But only leave this on while, it's, uh, while it is cold, because they really like the air around them. So only in the real cold, if it does turn cold, because we can get caught out in May, um, that's when you want to wrap them up. RHS flower shows are also a fabulous opportunity to see and to buy new plants. Here's Phil Clayton, Deputy Editor of the RHS's magazine for members, The Garden, with some suggestions of top performing plants for May. The first one I want to talk about is a poppy. Um, May is a great month for poppies, uh, particularly the big oriental poppies. And my favourite, I think, of these is uh, Papava orientale black and white. It's an AGM plant, so it has the award of garden merit given to it by the RHS. And what makes it so remarkable, really, the, is the contrast in colours. Um, each petal is white, but at the base of the petal is a large square blotch in black, or very, very dark purple. So you've got this quite dramatic contrast uh, in each flower. Um, the individual blooms don't last particularly long, they probably are two or three days, but each plant will send up dozens and dozens of flowers, uh, so you'll get an amazing display over a period of several weeks. Um, traditionally, one of the problems with oriental poppies is that they leave quite big gaps in the border after they finish flowering, when the leaves also start to look a bit dishevelled. But if you shear those off, shear the whole lot off, maybe a half inch from the base, um, fresh foliage will arise and one of the tricks 
if you've got a border, is to grow something like a perennial pea over the remains of these poppies, uh, which then fills the gap in very nicely. The second plant I want to talk about um, for May is a peony, a really special peony called early windflower. And it's called early windflower because it does bloom for a peony particularly early, uh, in, in early May. But what makes it so special is that the flowers, while individually small, they're beautifully shaped and they're sort of vaguely nodding, almost like an anemone flower, which is really why it has the name windflower. They're also quite sweetly scented at night or in the evening. If you go for an evening walk, you quite often notice the perfume from it. It's a great sort of plant for semi-shady, not too much shade, but semi-shade in, in a quite a good fertile soil. And it'll bloom for, again, a similar length of time as the poppy, actually, maybe two or three weeks. It's a very vigorous plant, so it grows and makes a good clump quite quickly. Once the flowers have faded and the petals drop, if you leave the actual flowering heads on, you'll find that the, the sepals, which are like the leafy bracts which surround the petals, they actually go quite an interesting red colour after a while, and it provides a sort of a longer season of interest. The, those, those bracts will be quite showy well into the summer. There's also another cultivar called late windflower, which is almost exactly the same, only it flowers um, probably two weeks later. A summer bedding plant which has long been a favourite with gardeners is impatiens or busy lizzies. Unfortunately, many gardeners have been finding their plants ravaged with disease in recent years. However, there is a type of impatiens you can buy that's bigger, better and a great value for money alternative to boost your containers and borders. Here's Julie Hollowbone, Editorial Projects Manager for the RHS's magazine, The Garden, to explain. One of the best ways of bringing colour to balconies, patios and borders for the summer is by planting up containers and baskets with many summer patio plants on offer, such as fuchsia and pelargoniums. And one of the regulars used for summer colour were busy lizzies, or known as impatiens. These are colourful, bushy plants, often covered with flowers all summer in shades of red-pink and through to white, and they're especially useful for growing in shade. Unfortunately, in recent years, stocks have become infected with a fungal disease and healthy-looking plants can just suddenly stop growing and then die. But there is another type of impatiens that is very successfully taking the place of busy lizzies. This plant was originally found in Papua New Guinea, so the new varieties are known as New Guinea impatiens, or botanically as impatiens hawkeri. These have been found to be resistant to the fungal disease affecting busy lizzies, but New Guinea impatiens are worth growing anyway in their own right, as plants grow quickly in late spring, start flowering in June, and go on and on with the right care until the first frosts, which often come along in October. New Guinea impatiens have slightly bigger leaves than busy lizzies, they are nice dark green and sometimes slightly bronze underneath and the pointed at the tip. The flowers are slightly bigger too. And although a few years ago plants didn't perform so well, there have been improvements with breeding just recently and newer forms show a nice branching habit to make a good bushy plant. The flat open flowers pretty well cover the plant and they come in lots of colours, deep red, vibrant orange red, salmon or peach, pale pinks, pinky purples and of course white. So there is something to fit almost any colour scheme. And one of the best things about these plants is that they will flower well in shade as well as sun, although they do have their limits and won't tolerate a deep, dry shade such as under evergreen trees or shrubs. If you want to try growing them, you're most likely to come across New Guinea and Patians in the garden centres in late May and into early June. 
This is the time when patio plants are safe to put outside after there is any chance of a late spring frost that might harm them. The plants are usually put on sale when they are quite large and about to flower and may cost a little more than other summer patio plants at maybe £3 per plant, something like that. Don't be put off by the price though. The plants are all set to grow and will make a good sized mound, perhaps 30 to 40 centimetres, that's 12 inches or so, tall and wide, in just weeks. Then with the capability to give full-on flower for about five months, you really do get your money's worth. I've seen a single plant nicely fill a pot of about 40 centimetres diameter, it's about 15 inches, with the foliage going right over the sides. One in a pot either side of the front door for the summer could look really good. If you want to try growing them from seed, there is one breeding line called New Guinea and Patian's Divine Series. Seed needs to be sown indoors early in the year in February or March to give the young plants time to grow and reach flowering size before planting out in June. You can find the seed from suppliers like Mr Fothergill's or Thompson & Morgan, Sutton's or similar. Also, you might be able to find plug plants of the same Divine series for various websites. Pot them up and grow them on under cover until it's safe to plant them out after the frost. These New Guinea Passions plants can be grown in borders in a moist but well-drained soil, but personally I prefer to grow them in containers. From experience, I've found that they do better if they are grown on their own, or at least given plenty of space to grow and bush out. When I plant up containers, I normally like to pack in plenty of plants and let them mingle together, but New Guinea and Patians naturally give a bold display and do well without any competition. Plant singly or possibly in pairs into a good-sized container of about 30 centimetres, 12 inches in diameter, into a peat-free or peat-reduced potting compost if you can. I like to add some controlled-release fertiliser pellets into the compost before planting so that the plants are well fed through the summer season. I think this really helps the plants to grow well and flower for longer. But you can water in a liquid feed such as phosphogen or similar every week. Then just ensure the plants are well watered so that the compost or soil is moist and just watch them go. I find that they are good low maintenance plants. They naturally get bushy, the flowers just fall off as they fade so no dead eddy is involved and they are pretty much pest and disease free. I often plant containers for my mum as they are so easy for her to look after. At home, I used a white variety in a pot with just a variegated sedge using the grassy light foliage for texture and placed the pot by a shady wall next to another of pale green Nicotiana. But I've also used pots of orange shades grouped with more exotic looking plants, dahlias with purple foliage, begonias and coleus in a sunnier spot. Plants labelled as sun patians have a slightly spreading habit and might be more useful for wide shallow pots. In fact, a salmon-coloured version with yellow variegated leaves was voted the best choice for a container by visitors who saw them grown on trial at RHS Garden Wisley last year. This flower-foliage combination is very bright. There are others that are slightly more compact and upright in shape called Sun Harmony, but whatever you find in the garden centre, they will all give a good show if fed and watered thoroughly through the summer. I really recommend them. Julie Hollowbone, Editorial Projects Manager for The Garden magazine. You can find more information and tips for choosing and caring for all the plants discussed and many more on the plant pages of the RHS website, rhs.org.uk forward slash plants. So now the weather's brightening up, there are lots of activities and attractions to enjoy in our four RHS gardens. 
Look out at all four RHS gardens for brilliant half-term activities for families. This summer, we're also celebrating the 150th anniversary of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, with Wonderland-inspired activities at all four RHS gardens. From May through to July and August, there's a summer-packed set of special events to enjoy. Join us as we celebrate the history of tea and its perfect accompaniment, cake. Petal to Pot is from the 27th to the 28th of June. Betty's Cafe Tea Rooms will be featuring its delicious cakes at Harlow Carr, while the Hyde Hall Garden Party will treat visitors to a vintage tea party and cake decorating classes. Visitors to Rosemore can enjoy a performance of Bake It Big with Glenn Cosby, that's on a Sunday. Brand new to the RHS Gardens Wisley calendar this year is All About Plants, on the 20th to the 21st of June, a major event celebrating the past, present and future of plants. The weekend brings together a wide range of plant societies, each showcasing their respective plant groups. See a mixture of competitive shows and fabulous displays by interesting specialist plants and ask experts for advice. And, as always, full details of all these events and more are on the RHS website. Go to rhs.org.uk forward slash gardens forward slash what's on. That's all for this edition. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, remember to follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Jenny Bowden and all the RHS Gardening podcast team, goodbye. Goodbye.